Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hello and welcome to the Premier League preview show for game week 24 of the 17-18 season. I'm Tom Rennie and coming up on the show. The transfer window has been such a big distraction for everyone. It's easy to forget there's still football going on in the background. It's a vital week for many clubs in the Premier League in between FA Cup rounds and maybe the last real chance for managers to see which players they want and don't want before February comes around. How will City recover from defeat? Were Chelsea pushed too hard by Norwich? And how will Paul Lambert improve Stoke and cope with the fact he was nowhere near the first choice to replace Mark Hughes? It's the Premier League preview show for Game Week 24. Lots of games this weekend. We start with Brighton against Chelsea, 12.30 UK time. Across the three o'clock, Burnley take on Manchester United, Arsenal Crystal Palace, West Brom go to Everton, Leicester Watford, Stoke Huddersfield and West Brom Bournemouth. The late game is Man City against Newcastle. On Sunday, Southampton Tottenham, the only game, and Swansea Liverpool is Monday night football. What a week. And it's hello to football editor of TalkSport, the producer of this show, and a man who's dressed today like an extra in Mary Poppins with a scarf indoors. It is David Walker. How are you, mate? I'm good, Tom. I've missed you. Do you feel like you've got the required level of persona to wear a scarf indoors? It's very much my thing. It's a good this look. Is not I new. like it. Yeah. You're doing it all the time. Good. You look like a, a 30s dandy, and I like it. Uh, how was the show without me last week? A struggle. A struggle. <laughs> did, did you miss the, these, the verbal jousting? It was fine. It was fine. Was it better? We did a good job. We did a good job. Did Rusty the questions were a bit shorter. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like to get my thoughts out during the questions, yeah. you know. It's a tight show. Dave, good to see you. Listen, let's get on to our first game of the weekend. It's the 12.30 UK time kickoff between Brighton and Chelsea at the Amex Stadium. Important game for both of these teams. And we're joined on the line by a man who played for both clubs, the former Brighton, former Chelsea, uh, former Brentford, former QPR, former Fulham, all the clubs. It's Clive Walker, the former winger. How are you, mate? You all right? Very good, Tom. Thank you very much. It's great to have you with us. Listen, before we get on to the game and how important it is for Brighton, it really is important they get something from, indeed, this game or some games coming up in the next few weeks because they are falling down the table worryingly. I've got to ask you about this. We record the programme on Thursday going into the weekend. Andy Carroll for Chelsea to support Alvaro Morata, whose form has fallen off a cliff. As a Chelsea man, how excited are you at the prospect of signing a man who's missed more games than he's played in the last five and a half years? Well, you said it there, Tom, missed more games, and I think that would certainly be the worry for for most Chelsea fans, that Andy Carroll has not really been available due to injury and one problem after another that he seems to have have had uh, throughout his career, to be very truthful. Um, that would be my biggest worry. However, I think there's always uh, ways of winning football matches, as I've always said, and 
you don't always have to win it the, the slick footballing way. And if you need another option, he certainly is one. I, I guess you're looking at what they're going to pay for him. Mm. Um, although at the moment, with the way money's being spent in the Premier League, that doesn't seem to be an issue. It's about whether you know, he gives you that, that choice. I suppose choice is, is, is fabulous for Antonio Conte. Is he a Chelsea type of player? You don't seem to think so, but you know you have to say, well, if it's a, if it makes a, them change in in their fortunes as they are at the moment and gives them another option, um, then there's a possibility that it might just work. But it seems an extreme case, and only the manager and the coach and, and the staff at Chelsea will be able to get Andy Carroll hopefully fit. And let's be honest, Chelsea's record behind the scenes keeping players fit and available over the past well, quite a few years now has been very, very good. I love the so, hope in this. The hope they can keep yeah, Andy well, Carroll well, fit I, is making me so, so happy. There's just well, no I think, way. I think it's an, it's an important factor. You know, if you're going to bring a player of that calibre in, that type of player, then he has to be available. You know, it's no good him not being fit for, for 90% of the games and just playing the odd bit 90%? There, you know. That's very well, ambitious. I, I'm being kind to West Ham, to be honest, Tom. <laughs> Well, Clive, you said there that there's a question mark over whether Andy Carroll was a Chelsea type of player. And I suppose many people will ask that question. But Conte did try and bring in Llorente, who mm. eventually went to Spurs. So he clearly had a bit of a maybe a plan B in mind. And they certainly are lacking something up front. Morata's confidence seems to be completely shot. They don't really batch away. He never fully convinced at Chelsea. Mm. And they need something else. And if you look around the market and, you know, you might end up paying 20 odd million for him. But in today's market, that's not that much money, relatively speaking. He's probably one of the best options available to them for that type of player. Well, he probably is, and I agree with you. That's the way they're looking at it. I'm sure that options and choices, you know, you need as many as you possibly can to win matches. Um, if he takes maybe some of the weight off Morata, I think we have to look at Morata and Diego Costa as a player. Well, Diego Costa now thinking the way Morata's played this season, I think could, could look after himself. And I think we all saw that, and maybe to to, uh, to to much of a degree at one stage. But I think he could look after, he could handle himself. I think Morata's probably struggled with that physical contact. That uh, I think in Spanish football, you look at it, and every time there's a there's a bit of contact, the free kick's been given, and players just accept it and get on with it. Mm. Not like that in the Premier League. And I think Morata's maybe struggled a little bit with dealing with that contact type of sport that we have in the Premier League. So. And if that takes some of the weight off of him that Andy Carroll can do, you know, he can give it the physical side of the game for sure. And if that leaves Morata using his perhaps intelligent style of football that he's got, because he's a very clever player, um, maybe that will enhance the way Chelsea play. It'll also make them play differently as well, because, mm. you know, we know Andy Carroll is good in the air and powerful. Um, we know, actually, Morata is very good in the air from crosses as well. And Chelsea's style over the recent times has been playing it through the middle, through Hazard and William and Pedro. Um, and maybe that's coming to an end, perhaps. And Antonio Conte thinks that maybe getting in wider positions and, and streaming in crosses is one way of, of uh, scoring goals again. So maybe that's, maybe that's in their thoughts. Clive, are you delighted there's no VAR this weekend? Because if there's one thing we saw in the game between Chelsea and Norwich in midweek is that Chelsea find it very difficult to win without cheating. Um, is it a concern for you that when VAR comes in the Premier League, Chelsea are finished? Well, I always say, Tom, that if VAR <laughs> helps the referees um, 
and as we've seen with goal line technology, that certainly has helped. If it's as simple as that and it, and it solves the problem, then definitely bring it in. But I just feel that the way the game went uh, last night, I think it was just a little bit... Um, that the referee, I understand the referee in the studio, actually didn't watch any of the incidents in slow motion, which I find amazing because mm. I thought that's what they were there for. You know, it's all very well with him watching it in real time, which is what the referee sees. So, again, we're just down to opinion. Um, he didn't feel the need to watch it in slow motion. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. If you've got the technology, use it. If you want to slow it down and make it sure, because what we want is we want the referees to get the correct decision. And at the end of the day, if it's not the correct decision, then it's pointless VAR being there. But, you know, if it works, I'm all for it. If it, if it doesn't work, then scrap it. I think that counts as uh, rod dangled and not taken. <laughs> Probably the wise option. <laughs> uh, Clive, I want to go back to Morata. What's happened to him over the last few weeks? He, he, he scored quite a lot of goals in the early part of the season, seemed to make a good start to his life over here in England. But then recently, over about the last month or so, he's had a few games where he missed scores of one-on-one one chances against Leicester who didn't even have a single shot and he got sent off against yeah. Norwich the other night and it's just gone from bad to worse I think he, he's obviously struggling with confidence I think that is blatantly obvious I think also that Chelsea um, has changed the formation slightly playing 3-4-3 early in the season gone to this 3-5-1-1 if you like with Azar playing just in behind and I think when teams close up those spaces He's finding it very difficult to to score or even get a shot away. I think I mentioned before that he is good in the air, and I think and if you're going to fire in crosses at the end of the day, he's good enough to get on the end of them. But playing Hazard more central without the likes of Willian or Pedro and and Hazard in wider positions, those crosses are not coming in. They're actually coming in from deeper angles from Aspilicueta. Uh, from Alonso and people who are in wider positions and maybe that doesn't suit his particular game because the style of the team has been changed so you know there's a, there's a lot for them to still work on a lot for him to learn I think he's still learning about the Premier League and I think he's got he's got a battle on certainly and he needs to improve on his capability of dealing with the physical side of it which is where we we obviously talk about Andy Carroll but you know he, he's going through a tough time as as a lot of centre forwards do over the years, they'll all say, you know, when you're not scoring goals, it seems like an eternity until you, until you get the next one. And then one just falls at your feet, it goes in the back of the net, and the whole picture changes. Clive, I've got to get to Brighton, the home side this weekend for the game against Chelsea, 12.30 UK time kickoff. Uh, form has really tailed off in recent weeks and months. One win from their last 12. It's the home form that usually gets team down, teams down the bottom, newly promoted sides, to safety. They've been decent at home. However, six draws this season when they could have converted some of them to wins and should have done as well. Stoke is the game that immediately comes to mind a few weeks ago. They need to pull off maybe a shock result. We saw West Ham beat Chelsea a few weeks ago. They were right in it, and that sparked an upturn in form for them. How important is it that Brighton win home games like this, unexpected points? Because that, to me, is what gets you over the line. Yeah, I mean, I think throughout a season, you always want to pick up um, against points at home, especially against big teams. And, and, and there are going to be occasions when you're going to do that. But I think it's all about Brighton and the teams that are in and around them in the bottom half of the table where their home form really should come into the fore and, and they should be able to take points from them on a regular basis. I think, again, maybe they're struggling with a little bit of confidence. I think they're, having watched 
West Ham play against Chelsea, as you suggested, Tom, and I think other teams have, have really taken them to task. Um, it's a certain style. It's a pressing game. I'm not sure that Brighton have got that in their makeup. Mm. I think they are very, very controlled side. They are uh, methodical in what they do. Their organisation is, is terrific. And I think they methodically get the ball to, to whoever's playing up front, uh, and especially in wide areas and feed the ball in. So that's their style. So to change their style, I think, for one particular game is not really the right way to go. Mm. However, I'm sure Chris Hewn is working on things on a, on a daily basis to try and turn this sort of recent form around and, and get something right. Against Chelsea as well, you'd have to say, at this moment in time, it's probably a good time to play them. You know, they, they, the good fortune is that, for me, that they scored in the week against Norwich. But is that is that going to give them enough of a lift having you know the result the way it went although they won in the end on penalties but the disappointment of letting in the late goals but mm. they, each, they actually scored and they hadn't done for three previous to that so maybe that'll give them a bit of a boost but it's a good time to play Chelsea nonetheless mm. a shame Brian don't have a striker uh, to replace Glenn Murray lots of talk about Moussa Dembele coming in from Celtic that 18 million pound bid a few days ago was was rejected categorically by Chris Uton. Interesting times for Brighton and indeed for Chelsea. Clive, thank you very much indeed for your time. Join me quickly. Da, 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 da. Andy Carroll. Come on, Clive. <laughs> he didn't fancy it. I don't it. think I'll be doing that. He but... didn't fancy it. Clive Walker, former Chelsea and Brighton man. Thanks for your time. Loads more to get through on the Premier League preview show. You are listening to the Premier League preview show for Kingdom 24 of the season. The business end is fast approaching. Tom Rennie and David Walker with you. Right, let's get on to the game on Sunday. The only game in the Premier League on Sunday. The Southampton take on Tottenham Hotspur. It's a four o'clock UK time kickoff. We are joined by a former Spurs defender to talk about this game. Also once at Brighton and Crystal Palace as well. Gary O'Reilly is on the line. How are you, mate? You all right? I'm good. Hi, Tom. Hi, David. It's great to have you back with us on the preview show. Listen, let's get right into this and let's talk about Tottenham Hotspur. Um, Tricky start to this season. Tricky opening few weeks and months. But in recent times, their form has been absolutely fabulous. And I was doing the game against Everton uh, just before the break for the FA Cup. Uh, and the football they played, the quality of football, the fourth goal they scored, it was shades of Sheringham and Shearer in Euro 96. Where have Spurs made their improvements in recent times? Uh, I just think Harry Kane's getting better. Um, and there might, sorry defenders listening, there might well be some more growth in his game. Because when it comes to being a top-class striker, there are little things that he will pick up and learn as experience provides them. And I think that's only going to benefit him. Son, well, we know Son has talent. We've seen it so many times. But now he is making such a great partnership with Harry, such a great partnership with Deli Alley, and he's bringing the goals. And now you've got a real legitimate pair of goal scorers within the side. And I think that's, that's vital because Deli Alley's form has slightly faded mm. since the Real Madrid victory in the Champions League. So it's good that as one player naturally goes on a dip, other players rise up and uh, carry the team forward. 
So it's Hung Min Son now for you, more important in this Spurs team than Deli Ali is. I know the stats say that Ali's had lots of assists, but I mean, that, that assist number drives me mad. Like there was one Paul Pogba assist earlier in the season where he plays it right across the penalty area. Valencia mm. controls it and, and fires it in from 30 yards in the top corner. And that counts as an assist. I, that number drives me mad. Someone's you, got to pass in the ball, Tom. Very true. But do they, should they get <laughs> a, a bonus for that? I don't know. Uh, so with, with Deli Ali, the assist numbers are there, but the rest isn't. For you, is Son more important? I don't know more important because I don't think, for instance, if you took the goalkeeper out, you'd probably struggle to win the game. Is the goalkeeper more important than the fullback, the central defender, the midfield player, the striker? So everybody's important because they have a vital role to play within the mechanics. I think Deli Alley is vital because he does have a legitimate goal threat. We've Mm. seen it. It just hasn't quite been there. Now, maybe... What you have is, it's strange, because we've been talking about Deli Ali for how many years now? Two, three? Mm. He's still a young man. We talked about Harry Kane and the growth in his game. There's so much more growth in Deli Ali's game. And he might just be having a little bit of a natural fatigue from playing an awful lot of football. And Pochettino makes them play at a very high tempo. So it might just be something like that. He might just need a little bit of a... A break, but he can't because the games are coming thick and fast, and he is such a vital component of that team. Because, hate it or not, he does do well with the assists, but he does have that <laughs> legitimate goal threat. And I think what's happening is maybe teams have realised that, and they're trying to shut certain things down in which Delhi's game is struggling to be as bright and as beautiful as it once was, say, last season. Mm. Gary, I don't know if there was any examples of this from your own career, but sometimes players and teams just have a knack of winning and scoring against another certain team and Spurs love playing Southampton Deli Alli has had a, ha- had a hand in eight goals in just his four Premier League games against Southampton but some of them are assists they don't count ha- Harry Kane has scored five goals in his last four Premier League appearances against Southampton Hattrick in the reverse feature at Wembley scored twice count. and assisted once in three matches at St Mary's Pochettino has never lost against Southampton since he left them just overall every stat you want to pick out from the book is, is, in, is in Tottenham's favour they mm. love playing Southampton and I think it's going to be more of the same this weekend. Spurs fans listening are shouting at you right now. (laughs) Stop it. Stop it. Don't say these words. We don't like it. We're superstitious. We're fearful. There are some teams you seem to have a number on. No matter what they do, no matter what team turns up in that kit, you've got them. Uh, It does help if you've got a really, really good goal scorer at the sharp end. I mean, I played in the side with Ian Wright, and I think it was Birmingham City he couldn't wait to face Birmingham City every single season. When they were in our league, he loved it. He would, he would walk away with bags full of goals. And it does seem a little bit like that for Southampton, although what might be more to the point, and I, I, I admire your stats there, Southampton haven't won a league game since Everton at the end of November. Mm. I think their only victory would probably be in the cup against Fulham. And that may be a point as to why... They loved them because they didn't they play just recently and Spurs mm-hmm. took them apart. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So I think it's a team that's finding its feet again in Tottenham because they had that little lull and the, a team in Southampton who, with the loss of Van Dyke um, and a loss of form, are struggling. 
And it's interesting with Maurizio Pellegrino, he says he has no fears of the sack. And, and why would you at this point? Because when you do sack a manager, you've got to bring in Paul Lambert at this point because no one's left. All the emergency <laughs> break glass bosses have already got jobs. It, it's, it's madness. you mood today, aren't you, Tom? Well, I've been off for a week. I've had a lot of built-up rage. You don't get to, to do this when you're on the beach <laughs> with the wife. You've got to scream at someone. Uh, <laughs> listen, I, I want to move on. I want to move on to, to another one of your former teams, Crystal Palace, who Go take on. on Arsenal this weekend. Uh, three o'clock kickoff. Uh, Loving watching Palace right now. I never felt, and I think we spoke about it at the start of the season, never felt like Palace were going to be any real trouble because of the quality they had in their side. Uh, two straight wins, up to, to uh, 12 in the table, 25 points now, maybe just 10, 11 points away from safety. And they take on an Arsenal side who have been struggling for identity all season long, changing formation, changing players, losing their star players, three games without victory and a loss in the last one. Uh, Palace haven't won away at Arsenal since 94. John Salako on the score sheet back then. There was a similar record earlier this season, and Palace won the game. I'd fancy him again this weekend. Um, it might just be, you know, the whole saga with uh, Alexis Sanchez, and I don't think it's even been completed as we talk right now. So it looks as if that will have a knock-on effect. If he leaves in the way that this has ha- been handled, a bit like Southampton with Virgil van Dijk, it will leave an echo, and uh, the players left within the club are going to have to find their feet. I was at the game at Sellers Park when Arsenal, it's 3-2, the final score. Yeah, 2-3 to Arsenal, yeah. Um, Ozil was outstanding. I mean, seriously outstanding, world-class. Now, if he shows up and does the same, there isn't a team on the planet that's not going to have a problem. If Arsenal show up and they're having a bad day, and Palace turn up, and they're having a good day, which they've had recently. You think back to a rather surprising nil-nil draw against Manchester City, Mm. and I think they set the template for a lot of teams going forward who will face Guardiola's side. Yeah, boot De Bruyne as hard as you possibly can. That's one way of doing it. You are (laughs) such a cynic. And the other other one, when they they grind out a 1-0 win over Burnley, having scored in like the 20th minute, so they've kept a clean sheet, they've hung on to a one-goal lead, I think that's, you know, that's a lot of character within the Palace side. Wilfred Zaha has absolute talent. And if he lets rip, and if Arsenal allow him to let rip, then Palace might just do what you think and come away with something. I'm not saying they'll come away with a win. They might, if they get a draw at the Emirates, that will really, really be something special for them. The last two matches Arsenal played, they lost against Forest in the FA Cup. Loss against Bournemouth. The key feature of both of those games was shambolic defending. Rob Holding has had an absolute nightmare the last two games. We've had the usual lackadaisical defensive midfield play from Granite Xhaka. And I can see Palace, they've got some exciting options going forward. Back, Bakary Sacco's in good form now. Zaha, we know what he can do. I'd be, I would be concerned if I was an Arsenal fan. They need to be much more solid defensively, but we've been saying that for how many seasons? You know, there was a moment with Sacco last week which showed the form he's in and confidence he's in. This is when he scored. There was a yeah. cross from the right to the left-hand side. And Gary, you were at the game, and he tries this first-time left-footed volley. Connection was brilliant, and it just goes wide by a yard or so. You've got a guy there who's scoring goals right now. It's his best goal-scoring run since he was at Wolverhampton Wanderers. And they've kind of turned him into a centre-forward a bit, haven't they? Because Benteke hasn't done it. No, Benteke, I think, owes the fans, and probably himself, a good and a big game. And what better stage than the Emirates? But going around to Bakary Sacco, he has been given game time. He's been given 
confidence and opportunity. And that confidence is growing in him, and that opportunity he has grabbed. You know, he's always been that bit part player waiting towards the end of the second half and they throw him on, maybe make a bit of difference. But starting games has really given him a belief, really given him that strength of mind. And that volley, by the way, wasn't a yard wide. That must have been more than a foot. Mm. And it, it's just as well it didn't go, go into the goal because it would have ripped the net apart. And they're, they're not cheap, those nets. That's important they're to not. remember. They're not cheap. Uh, listen, I think it's going to be a great game this weekend, Arsenal against Crystal Palace. Um, just before we run out of time, Gary, I know you're part of our international coverage team this weekend, uh, commentary team, sorry, this weekend. It's going to be you and me, funnily enough, uh, doing the... Uh, yeah, I think the world just rejoiced at that prospect. Uh, we won't talk about much football, mine, I know. Uh, it's Man City against Newcastle. Steve Lomas joins in a second to talk about it. But give us a quick prediction. How do you see it going? Um, I think Newcastle, they seem a bit chaotic right now. From what I'm reading, the takeover bid has stalled. is not going to happen. Where does that leave Rafa Benitez and any plans to acquire players in the January window? He's going to be frustrated. Players are thinking, what's going on? Is there leadership at the top? Is Rafa going to say, I've had enough? I don't want to, you know, at the end of the season. They are too close to the relegation zone to feel at all comfortable. They know it's a hard fight to get out of the championship. They do not want to return this quickly. So, and I think after the Liverpool game, which was unbelievably brilliant game at Anfield the other evening with Man City and Liverpool, I think Guardiola might want to come out and put a flag in the sand to say, oh yeah, okay, lessons learned, this is us, we're back in the groove. I think that will be important for City, so I think he will set them up to really, really go for it. Yeah, not a good weekend to play Man City. Gary O'Reilly, always a good weekend to hear from him. Thank you very much indeed for your time, the former Spurs, Palace and Brighton man. More on Man City Newcastle when we return. You are listening to the Premier League preview show for the 24th week of the season. Tom Rennie and David Walker with you as ever. Well, I said as ever, I wasn't here last week. They did the show without me. So, you know, I hope you all enjoyed it. I'm back, all right. I'm doing my best. I'm no Russell Hargreaves. I ain't done the work. OK, we'll move on. Let's talk more about Man City, shall we? Newcastle this weekend, 5.30 UK time kickoff on Saturday. We're joined by our former Man City captain to talk about this run in Steve Lomas. So, hey, Steve, you right, mate? I'm okay, Tom. How was your holiday? Very good? It was very nice, mate, yeah. Burnt me <laughs> nose and the top of me head and then stayed on an umbrella for the next six days. But it was great. It was great. and I didn't have to take my shirt off, so it was two wins from that sunburn. Uh, but thanks for asking, Steve. Dave, you didn't ask me, did you? I just took it as red. You should buy your glow that you had a good time. <laughs> uh, right, Steve, let's talk about Man City. Uh, a loss in their last league game against Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Very nearly got something from it, though, for, yeah. for 80 minutes that they were outplayed and didn't deserve anything from it, I would say, looking yeah. at the whole piece. How will Man City, how will Pep Guardiola's team react to that defeat? Will it be a, a relief for them to have lost that game? I don't think it'd be a relief. Um, I, I did think it was the way Man City play and the way... Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. 
Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. How, how much the attack, that the one team that could potentially you know, do a number on them was Liverpool, especially with their, their counter-attack ability and their pace that they've got up front. Uh, and it proves to be the case, but I, I don't think it changes anything. It, it'll just be move on to the next game, and um, you know you do kind of feel sorry for Newcastle come um, the weekend fixtures. It's an ideal team to play, I think, after losing your first game of the season in such a high-profile manner. Although they nearly got mm. it back at the end, didn't they? Newcastle are in all sorts of trouble at the moment, not in great form. Backdrop of yet more troubles behind the scenes, and you can't see anything other than a comfortable Manchester City victory. No, you can't. Uh, exactly right, Tom. <clears throat> Do feel very sorry for Newcastle because they're a very great club with a, with a great set of fans. But you'd like to think the the, the Amanda Stavely thing looks like it's dead and buried, and um, you know the chairman's still going to make actually still going to be there um, with the, the consortium not coming up with the money. And I just felt for the club they needed it sort in one way or the other. Um, Rafa Benitez needs funds to go out and bring players in, whether that will be the case with Mike or without Mike. Um, I think he was probably hoping that the new owners would come in and he would be back because I do feel that somebody like um, you know Rafa Benitez has proved you know he deserves to be better than scraping around at the bottom end of the Premier League and I think it will come a time when he probably thinks the same thing. However, when we talk about top managers like Mourinho, for example, we always say, I wonder what he would do if he was at a struggling team. What kind of coach is he? Well, Rafa Benitez has got a Newcastle squad who, for me, have got two or three Premier League quality players. And one of those is John Joe Shelby. who looks like he might be leaving in the next few days. And yet he still managed one defeat in the last five, 23 points from 23 games. They're above average. They're above a point a game. And above a point a game normally gets you Premier League safety. Without Rafa Benitez, would there be any chance for Newcastle from this point? Because he's the kind of guy keeping that uneasy truce together between Mike Ashley and the fans. And he's the guy that is saying, well, if, as long as I'm here, it's going to be all right. But if he doesn't get the funds in the back in, why would he stay there? And I don't just mean for next year. I mean the rest of this year. Yeah, well, I think he will. I think the type of person that Rafa Benitez is and I think the affinity he has with Newcastle fans um, you know, it could easily go. I, I, I'm in agreement with you, Tom. I think under Rafa Benitez, Newcastle just about have enough. Um, but you know, for him, it must be soul soul destroying. You know, he gets them up, um, and you know, he hasn't really been able to um, to, to strengthen and and really be competitive. He would be hoping this season to push Newcastle into the top ten. Um, but you know, with the players that they haven't seen, you know, that's never going to be the case. Steve, back to Man City. Alexis Sanchez has been a big story this week. Yeah. City pulled yeah. out of the race to sign him. Did that surprise you? 
No, not 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 really. Um, you know, obviously Jesus is, is injured at the minute, but he, I don't think you know how long he's going to be. Um, but I, I just look with Sammy uh, and Sterling playing. Um, was a lot of money, not a money, not not that it really means much for Man City, um, but maybe at 29 and and maybe maybe when he the way he looked at it and thought it's a lot of money for for a player of his age, and and maybe the way he Sanchez has conducted himself, you know what I mean? Where you know that's put a span in the work. I don't really know Tom, but I, I'm kind of glad because I really do think Sane is going to be the next big thing and. And obviously from Raheem Sterling as well, you know, you would have thought with Aguero still staying there, I'd imagine that they, at least the end of the season, you know, one of them is going to miss out. And, um, you know, the way they're playing this year, I think it would have been a bit of a pity. Yeah, it's going to be really tough for Newcastle this weekend against Man City as well. Um, that's the 5.30 kickoff on Saturday UK time. Uh, Steve, I want to ask you a quick one about West Ham as well. They take on Bournemouth this weekend, two yeah. teams who seem to play each other every week. I feel like they keep, it's, it's bizarre. Um, obviously, a controversial win, uh, a draw, sorry, against Bournemouth last time. Felt like a loss for West Ham. That's why it's still etched in my memory. But I've got to ask you about what's happening on the transfer front for West Ham. Because it seems they're selling Carroll. They're selling Hernandez, mm-hmm. they're selling Sacco, they're selling James Collins for bizarre reasons, and maybe selling Jose Font, which, you know, no one would be sad to see him go. But there's a lot of players mm-hmm. being linked with the move out of West Ham, but they can only name six subs against Huddersfield in the last yeah, game. Great I, performance I, though I, it was. They've got to get some bodies in, haven't they? Yeah, I, I think, listen, in, term, in terms of, I wouldn't read in Gabriel Tom, I think in terms of James Collins, I don't think he goes. Um, I think you keep James and give him another year. I think the way he's played in the last, he showed him. In terms of Jose Font, he's out injured, so he ain't going to get a move. He's on big wages, so that, that's another thing. The Andy Carl one is is a strange one um, in terms of, but with Anatovic coming to the fourth, and I, you know, they are they are. I would see Hernandez before Andy, but would you let Carroll go for that money, Steve? Twenty-five mil to Chelsea, if that was a real number, or maybe getting Batshuayi in to replace him, is that a good move for West Ham? Um, listen, it's age-old problem. If I, I fit Andy Carl playing 35 games a season is a no-brainer. You keep him 100% because on his day, he is unplayable. He's a different option. Um, <clears throat> but I don't know whether David has to wheel and deal. You know, we don't, we're not in, into the background of it, um, whether he needs to get players out. Um, and, you know, obviously a player that, that, that I would imagine probably is average if he's averaged 15 games a year for the last four or five years, I'd be surprised. Mm. So um, maybe it's from from that point of view, Tom, they're looking to get Andy out because, like I say, a fitting, fit healthy Andy Carl for me adds a lot to your squad at a club like West Ham. So I'd be surprised. I would have thought Hernandez definitely would have been the one to go. It hasn't really happened for him. And Alavich has is, is come up. You know, you look at Andy's scored when he's played. And then you look at Ayu as well. So you think mm. he's fourth choice. And then you throw in Antonio, uh, who can play up front. And, you know, you're looking at him, Hernandez is, for me, his fifth choice. So I would have thought he would have been the one out the door first. But, yeah. you know, it's a problem when players are on 100 grand a week, you know. <laughs> you know, where do they go to? 
Tom, we're very used to you being very negative about West Ham on this show, as you have Seems been for, right. for many years. But, I mean, right now, you've got no reason to complain. You scored 15 goals in the last six Premier League games. You've got 15... Moyes has collected 15 points from his last eight Premier League matches. The, the turnaround has been remarkable. And, 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 Steve, David Moyes really has silenced his critics, hasn't he? Well, he has. And I said, you know, at the start, you had to give him time. Um, I think it was good. It's a short-term contract because he went in there... <clears throat> and he laid down the law. I think there was a little bit, and I don't think it was all down to, to Slavin. I think maybe his backroom staff didn't help him enough. You look at David, he's brought in a strong backroom staff. Player, people that ain't going to suffer players turning up on the training ground late, if that was the case. They ain't going to accept players not training properly. Certainly with Stuart, I know very well. I know Billy McKinley as well. So they're not going to accept players not giving it all. Um, you know, in terms of training and playing, so I think that has been a, been a, been a bonus. Um, I think um, you know, with David's experience, you know, he's had he's over a thousand games, you know, five hundred in the Premier League. So I thought it was a little bit disrespectful, but I think it's just this day and age now um, that people can take pot shots at managers with that with that sort of experience. Yeah, however, he was awful for three years. He can't get away from that. But he's doing a good job right now. Let's give him that. Uh, one final one uh, on their opponents, Bournemouth, this weekend. Uh, one man who's going to get some real treatment at the London Stadium this weekend is Callum Wilson, who scored that handball slash offside, you know, yeah. the cheating he'd done a few weeks ago. Scored four Premier League goals in three matches against West Ham. Three of them were a legitimate hat-trick in 2015. The fourth one shouldn't count, but did. Um, he's going to get a bit of treatment. Uh, but what do you make of Callum Wilson? Because they're scoring goals, and he's in really good form as well. Yeah, I've always liked him. I liked him when he was at Coventry, and you know, it shows you everybody says little, little, little Bournemouth, but they were able to in the Championship buy Callum Wilson for two, two point five million. They, they put their their head on the block and fair play to them. Um, you know, he's sharp. He, he's got a knife for goal, and you know, he, he is a handful. He likes to run beyond. But I think for me, West Ham, they've got themselves in such a great situation. The next two games can really cement them looking up and making the top ten. Um, if they can win, you know, at home against Bournemouth and then at home against Palace, you know, that's 31, is it, I think, 31, 30, 31 or 30 points. And, and they can be looking up, Tom, and, and really from a season that, that that looked disastrous and could potentially develop into a right relegation battle, I think mm. they can almost, these next two games, put that to bed. Yeah, two teams here I think will just get over the line. Should mention 100 Premier League games now in charge for Eddie Howe. Just 40 years of age. The uh, third youngest man ever to achieve that. Just wonder where he'll go next after his long stretch now at Bournemouth. Steve Lomas, former West Ham and City captain. Thank you for your time. We'll speak to you again soon. Dave, we're, we're going to make it, mate. West Ham and Watford in the Premier League next year. It's going to be all right. Well... We'll talk about Watford a bit later on. I wouldn't be so sure about that, the way things are going at the moment. But do you know what West Ham have got the chance to do in, in this game against Bournemouth that they've not done for almost a year, 364 days by the time we get to Saturday? Make me happy? Well, I mean, but that is an answer of sorts. Win back-to-back -back Premier League games. They haven't done that in a year. With 364 days come Saturday. Well, I kind of hope they don't. Do, do that now because after I lost Sunderland going a year without losing, without winning at home I feel like we need a whole year record somewhere so let's go you fighting cherries that's what I say uh, loads want to get through stay with us the Premier League preview show You're listening to the Premier League preview show for game week 24 of the season Tom Rennie and David Walker still with you um, Dave let's talk about Burnley Man United shall we yeah. a 3 o'clock kickoff this coming Saturday 
Um, is there a feel now, the thing we've been predicting all season long for Burnley is finally happening, happening and they're going to start falling down the table. It's five games without a win. It's two losses in a row. Uh, it, it, it's not annoyed me. I know you're not going to believe that because everything annoys me. Yeah, it, but it does. It, it's annoyed me how much praise Burnley have got this year. I think there's been too much because have they played yeah. good football? Not really. And, and some of those nine wins, some of those nine wins have been real smash and grab jobs. Like if they had two less wins and they were sitting about fifteenth, fourteenth. We wouldn't have noticed any of the performances. What performance of those victories would you have gone, wow, that was incredible and great football? That's why they don't call Sean Dyche. Not just because of the goatee. And apparently there was a story this week about him eating worms, which is very disturbing. Yeah, yeah. Apparently that's how he got the gruff voice. <laughs> I still didn't understand. I loved it. don't get it. But, I mean, seventh is, is not just the wrong position for them. I think it's unfair for them to be there because they don't play anywhere near good enough for that. Yeah, but they're there. They are, but... They are falling, right? Yeah, look, they're not on a good run at the moment. And the results have turned. Maybe they've regressed slightly to the mean. But I I think the praise they've got has been richly deserved. Other teams with better squads, supposedly on paper, play better football on paper, haven't got the job done. And they've done it. They've got good results for the majority of this season. Maybe they've outperformed themselves. But, you know, I, I, I don't think you can... You shouldn't take any pleasure in them dropping back to where you believe they should but rightfully be. But it was good be. when Leicester did it a couple of years ago and won the league. They also played some great stuff. A lot of it was without the ball, but they played some great stuff. This is not a team that goes out to win games. Maybe that's the crux of it. Mm. They don't go out to try and win it. And when that happens with the smaller teams and they have a great season, you think, wow, wasn't that great? They, they took on Man City. They are just like an Allardyce team. They are 4-5-1 merchants or 4-4-2 four, four, with one of those strikers sitting a bit deeper, and they pump it up to not one, not two, but three big men, depending on which one they've picked this week. Yeah, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, Tom. Yeah. I'm your sure wife right old dog, is sure she? <laughs> I wish I had a wife. <laughs> um, th- I'm sure the Burnley fans aren't bothered. If they're winning games, they're getting results, it might not be pretty. But um, as, an, as a Watford fan, I've had plenty of spells over the years with managers. Of some mm. of our most famous spells in history have been when we had Graham Taylor, A.D. Boothroyd, and the football could be described as Allardyce-like. But we won games. Mm. Successful football is what matters to fans at the end of the day, or it should do. Yeah, Burnley got 34 points right now, nine wins from their 23 games. Probably just a point away from being safe from relegation, I would say. Yeah. So maybe they'll get it this weekend. Uh, maybe they won't. It's Man United who come to Turf Moor, and it, it does bring back those great memories of that goal from Robbie Blake. What was that, 2009? Mm. That volley, one of the great Premier League goals. One of the first games of the season, wasn't it? I, I think, think it might have been their doors. first home game back, yeah. if memory serves. It certainly was in the August. Um, for Man United, an interesting time right now. And what's amazing is they've got more points than last season, they've got more clean sheets than last season, more goals than last season, um, and yet they still find themselves being criticised by a lot of people, me included, and some of the performances have been pretty bad this year. 12 points behind they are with City's loss last yep. week. Does that give them a glimmer of hope, do you think? Does that provide some, some inspiration for Man United? They did it themselves to Newcastle, what, 20 years ago? Yeah, but these are different times, and the 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 Manchester City side that lead the Premier League, I don't think they I'd are take, I'd as take fragile. I'd take Philippe Albert over Nicolas Otamendi. They are not as fragile as that Newcastle side, and Pep Guardiola certainly isn't as mentally fragile as Kevin Keegan was at that no. time. Um, although, who knows? Maybe we'll see a Pep 
maybe he has got it in him actually. He yeah. could do he could do a round. If they lost this weekend, City, and he came out with an I'd love it if we beat them speech. Yeah. Oh, that'd be the greatest thing to happen. But I don't look you've got to have hope. You've got to believe, you've got to keep winning games. If you win all your games you, and then you just see see what they do. But I think it's going to be very difficult. I can't see. I mean, come on, City are going to win the league, aren't they? Uh, yeah, but you never know. A long way to go as yet. Big game for United this weekend away at Burnley. Six games in total without victory now for the Clarets. Uh, let's talk about a new manager in the Premier League, shall we? Paul Lambert uh, in charge of yeah. Stoke up against Huddersfield. Now, I was doing the commentary of the reverse fixture a few weeks ago, maybe in Boxing Day. And Stoke were fantastic, actually, on the day. Really, really good performance. The Ramadan Sobi played really, really well uh, in midfield. They were good. That uh, They conceded a soft goal in the game. But apart from that, dominated it. This Stoke side, I think, just went stale because maybe the ideas, the training. It, you know, after a while, three, four, five years, the same guy, the message stops getting through. There is quality there. Um, need a couple of signings, definitely. Certainly up front. They need to replace Peter Crouch and Berahino. It's not a strong pairing. But I think Paul Lambert isn't going to worry about that. He's going to try and draw his way to safety. And I wonder if that's not a risky move. He's tried that before. He is the manager who closes the back door first, as all the break glass emergency well, bosses are. Well, he's got to, because at the moment it is wide open. There is no door in the frame at the moment. They've conceded more <laughs> goals than, than anyone this season. They've conceded 50 Premier League goals this season. And of the five, five of the previous six sides have conceded 50-plus goals at this stage of the season have been relegated. It's amazing, actually, when you consider... So Ryan Shawcross, for me, has gone as a, as a top-quality defender. Something's happened there in the last 18 months. I can't put my finger on, but the performances and positional play have been awful. Briefly on Huddersfield Town, uh, they're on the slide as well in recent weeks. The Terriers, they dropped down to 14th in the table. Two straight defeats, uh, and they were smashed by Leicester, smashed by West Ham. Are getting found out right now, and, and I would say it's time for some of those players to start stepping up. Yep. And I've got to say that Aaron Moy who's a player I've loved to watch in the last 18 months, has done very little for that side on a creative side of things in recent weeks. He needs to step up. I do like the look of Alex Pritchard as well, who came on against West Ham last week. Uh, Got to move on. Let's talk about Everton against West Bromwich Albion. Uh, Allardyce against Pardew. But I think many people will be looking for Theo Walcott this weekend. 12 yeah. years at Arsenal came to an end. Um, and it's funny, I was, I was watching a poll, a TalkSport poll, about Theo Walcott uh, as to who got the better deal uh, for Theo Walcott. £20 million. And it finished 50-50 between who got the better deal out of Everton and Arsenal. Where do you stand on Theo Walcott? I think Theo Walcott symbolises everything that's been wrong with Arsenal for the last 12 years. The last time they did anything really of note on the on the grandest stage was 2006. The year that he joined, they got to the Champions League final. He joined in January of that of that year. Apart from the FA Cup wins, they've done nothing since apart from continuously underachieve, underperform, disappoint their fans. And he is... Somebody that has it all on paper. He was heralded of this great hope of English football when he was put in the England squad at 16 by Sven Juran Eriksson. And that perhaps was a bad thing for him because he always had those expectations and maybe he was always going to struggle to live up to that promise. Mm. But he's had fits and starts. When he's been fit and firing and in the team, he's had spells where I think, yeah, this is it. He's arrived. He's going to kick on. And he never has. And it's mm. the same with Arsenal where we thought, this is the season, they're going to kick on, they never do. So it'll be very interesting to see whether the problem was Arsenal, whether the problem was Walcott. We've got a chance to see now at Everton. 
Uh, yeah, big game against West Bromwich Albion as well, who won their first game since August, ending that 20-match winless run against Brighton last week. Uh, still second bottom, though, still in the bottom three, a couple of points away from Southampton, who sits 17th at the moment. Uh, and it is going to be an emotional game for West Bromwich Albion. Of course, Cyril Regis sadly passed away this week. Legend of Midlands football uh, specifically, and I think many of us remember his time at West Bromwich Albion most, synonymous with the club. Um, and, and a lot of supporters, I mean, the, the outpouring this week was quite touching, actually, from a lot of those fans. And uh, I'm sure there'll be black armbands. I don't know if there's going to be a minute silence in the game, but I, I would imagine there certainly will for the next home game. Um, but, you know, it's, it's interesting. From a footballing side of things, to take it away from the history and all that, other people will do that better than me. Um, but there are times when club greats pass away and it can lend itself to galvanise the squad. And Alan Pardew did this when he was West Ham manager. When West Ham went to the FA Cup final, Ron Greenwood sadly passed away that year and John Lyle sadly passed away. And he used that as a real galvanising force and the fans kind of had a moment to come together and every West Bromwich Albion fan right now is together on that. And I just wonder whether it could be something that Alan Pardew could say, look, here's the motivation. We've lost one of our greats this week. Uh, let's go to Leicester City. They take on Watford, 3 o'clock UK time on Saturday. Uh, with Leicester City, tremendous form in, in recent weeks, certainly on the way they've played. The results maybe haven't quite matched the performances. But I think the way they've played has been uh, been very good. That They were very free-flowing and attacking in the early days of Claude Puel. He's tighten things up a little bit mm. uh, and results have kind of gone away but I suppose it's all been inspired by the form of Riyad Mahrez who's yeah. playing as good as he ever has and, and there's still talk that he could leave I know Coinc- he, he wants to leave you yeah. know it looks like he's going to stay again, though, I think, to be honest. Why is no one going for Riyad Mahrez? I, I don't know. There's been so many links, rumours, nearly done deals, but they never got over the line. He's Would he get in the Arsenal team? Would he get in the Liverpool team, the Spurs team? If we just looked at English clubs? I think... You get in the Arsenal team, right? You get in the Arsenal team. Would Wenger play him? I don't know if he's a Wenger sort of player, really. But Left back, probably. <laughs> I don't think he would get in the Liverpool team. And mm. not Spurs every week. Maybe. It's interesting. I mean, mm. I watch a guy who can win a game on his own. And how many of them can you really name in the Premier League? Yeah, Alexis Sanchez has, won, Mares is won. He's had a lot of games where he's been, you know, might as well not been there. Very true. But I would rather have Riyad Mahrez Whatever happens, than Jordan they, Henderson. For example, well, yeah, but you can't, you're not comparing like for like there, are you? Well, of course I am, because one's I'm, a central I'm, midfielder, I'm comparing one's a someone that can play in midfield and comparing someone who can play in midfield. Oh, yeah, all right. Number Look, 10, number 8. Leicester are going to win this game, no doubt about against it. What, against Watford, Watford are in big trouble, and they always lose to Leicester away at Leicester. They were a terrible record there. Um, first half performance against Southampton last week was an absolute shambles. Mm. Made Southampton, a team that can't score for love nor money, haven't won a game in ages, look like they were Manchester City. But they did fight back. I know it was cheating, but they did fight back to yeah. get a draw. Troy Deeney came on at half-time and changed the game. Played very, very well. Made it all the more disappointing for Watford fans that he's missed seven games this season through suspension, both times through silly, rash challenges. Mm. Um, and But there, there are big problems at Watford. There are big problems off the pitch at the moment. There was an article in the Times last weekend in England pinpointing a lot of the things that have gone wrong at the club over the last few months since Everton tried to take Marco Silva. Well, tell me something then. What, 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 what is it that they said and what have you seen that was right from that? Well, he wanted to join Everton. Yeah, of course, yeah. But no I mean, what have the fallout's been from it? Because, I mean, when you speak to players and, and managers that, that have been in the game, they always say, well, it doesn't really matter. It matters to us as fans, but they always say that's the job. Reportedly, the play, some of the players were dismayed that he wanted to leave so soon. Some of them were inquiring as to whether there would be the opportunity to go with him to Everton. And just his eye has 
according to reports, been off the ball, not quite as focused as he was at the start of the season. There's been reports that he hasn't been happy, and he actually has expressed this publicly, not happy with the transfer activity in terms mm. of losing some players late on in the in the summer window, not getting the sort of players he wants in the January window. There appears to be uh, a schism between him and the board at Watford, and it's certainly manifesting itself on the pitch. Mm. They're scrapped for a point on Saturday against Southampton, and it's papered over a lot of cracks, and there, there are big cracks at the moment at Watford. And honestly... This may be me reading too much into it, maybe overly pessimistic as a, as a fan, as as we supporters so often are. But I know we're tenth, but relegation is a certain possibility for Watford if they don't sort themselves out. Yeah, twenty six points is clear of Stoke in the bottom three by six, who have got twenty. Uh, just five points from the last available thirty for Watford. There are some serious problems there. A uh, one final game we not mentioned. It's Monday night football this week. Swansea against Liverpool. Now you fancy Liverpool for a big win off the back of their victory over City last week. It'd be very Liverpool for them to not win it, though, wouldn't it? This is my favourite stat of the weekend, actually. Uh, Mo Salah has scored 18 goals from 44 shots on target in the Premier League this season. Swansea have scored 14 goals from 52 shots. So it's less goals, more shots from a team than one guy. He's been sensational, hasn't he? Crazy good. Absolutely sensational. Way exceeded, I think, anyone's expectations of Mm. him since he came back from from Roma, uh, having been at Chelsea previously before. Completely different player. And it's not just him. The whole front line mm. has been brilliant. And look, they beat Manchester City last week without Philippe Coutinho, who a few days before joined Barcelona. Eddie! Oh, I must have missed that. I've been on my holidays. Totally missed it. Genuinely? No, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> you look so stunned there. <laughs> I'm a fabulous actor. You told me you you've been out of the loop. I did completely stay out of the loop, but that you couldn't avoid it. I couldn't <laughs> avoid it. I didn't know that. Hadn't gone by he's the gone. time he'd gone. Uh, I know from the song as well, of course, but let's not do it. Should we do it? I don't even know what it is. You don't know the song? You've been no. out of the loop, haven't you? Salah, did, I'm not doing it. Um, um, Liverpool, though, uh, going to Swansea. Swansea, since Carlos Carvajal has taken over, have got four points from three games. Um, the one player, the one bright spot for Swansea, for me, is the former Jordan Ayew. Mm. Uh, I've liked him all season. Well. I think that he's developed as a player. He, he's taking people on. And if I was going to pick an Ayew brother... He'd be the one I want, and there's, none, there's not much of a comparison these days. Yeah. Uh, but but he looks like a shining light. Not this weekend, but build the team around him over the next month. Uh, you know, what we've got this season, three or four months. I think there's a real chance for Swansea. They're not dead. No, they're not. They've definitely improved since Carlos has come in. And by any measure that you look at, Jordan Ayew is the best performing Swansea player this season in terms of dribbles, mm. take-ons, completed efforts on target, goals now. He, he does a, runs a hell of a lot, puts, really puts a shift in for the team and he's, he's improved this season and he looks like he's enjoying life under Carlos Carvajal. Um, but I think it's going to be a difficult game for them, for them against Liverpool, obviously, but they've got hope. Like you say, they've got hope. But we sold Coutinho. Don't do it. Don't do it. We've got nothing to shake. Uh, we're out of time. Well, maybe we do. David Walker, thank you very much indeed Thanks. as ever. Uh, preview show is not on next week because it's the FA Cup. So I'll be off. David will be working. Uh, so we'll see you in a couple of weeks. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. 
Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply.